you set foot on foreign soil. Only this land isn't ruled by any country or government. In this land we celebrate music. In this land we celebrate games. In this land we celebrate those who compose video game music. Welcome to the VG Embassy. Embassy. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the VG Embassy. This is a show centered around video game music and the amazing online community of fans and podcasters that enjoy it. My name's Ed, and on each episode I'll take the role of Prime VGM Minister and invite a guest VG Ambassador onto the show to share with us their own video game music culture. Or, I may share a part of my culture on a solo show. Big part of my culture on this particular solo show. We're going to be listening to a lot of music from a underdog system that has always held a warm place in my heart. No, we're not talking about the 3DO again. No, we're not talking about the Neo Geo CD again. Um, but it is another CD-based system. A lot of VGM podcasts, when they play Sega CD music, always tend to play the CD Redbook audio tracks. These were the pieces of music that were uh, on the CD in standard audio form. You could take the Sega CD disc out of your console, stick it in a regular old CD player, and listen to these tunes. A handful of Sega CD games also had chiptune music in them, and that could be for a variety of reasons. Perhaps the amount of music the game called for just wouldn't fit on the CD in standard audio, so they had to use chiptune. Um, sometimes there is uh, streaming parts of the game where the Sega CD would have to access data from the CD while you're playing the game, and therefore it couldn't also jump over to a CD audio track and play that as well. So we're going to see a number of those different kinds of scenarios as we walk through this episode. I have had a Sega CD since around the time that the Model 2 Genesis came out. I got a Model 2 Genesis and a Sega CD around the same time. I was a big Nintendo, Super Nintendo kid growing up, and it had gotten to the point where we were just, my brother and I were playing so many video games, and there was just so much on the Genesis that we had wanted to play that we decided to pool our money and go ahead and pick one up. And we didn't have that many Genesis games at all when we were kids. We had we had Sonic, we had TMNT Tournament Fighters, we had a couple of the other ones, but nothing really 
stuck out in my memory besides those. But we also amassed a pretty decent Sega CD collection. CD-based games always grabbed my attention when I was a kid, probably because of that huge feature that Nintendo did in Nintendo Power when they were talking about the ill-fated CD add-on <laughs> that was going to go underneath your Super Nintendo system. They talked up the benefits of CD-ROM gamery so well in that article that I was just hooked. That was the gaming of the future, and obviously it was for quite a while. So when the Sega CD became a little bit affordable with the Model 2, I jumped on it. I had a friend that had a Sega CD and played a bunch of his games, so I knew there was a couple of titles out there I would enjoy, so picked it up, got a whole bunch of Sega CD games over time, still have them all sitting on my shelf. Usually with an episode like this, I would rip the music from my own games, but you really can't do that with the chiptune. You've got to rely on folks with the know-how, and you've got to run games in an emulator to do that. Anyway, the chiptune music from Sega CD games are pretty unique because the audio hardware inside is kind of rare. It wasn't used that much in video game systems. And you also had a unique combination of three different kinds of audio chips available for playback when the Genesis was attached to the Sega CD. Let's quickly walk through these three chips just so we know what we're talking about here. Most people know the hardware that's in the Genesis and Mega Drive console already. You've got the SN76489, that's the four-channel PSG that was originally built into the Genesis as part of a backward compatibility plan with the Master System. So it's the same chip that was in the Master System. It's three programmable square waves um, and a white noise generator, and it's mono only, so very simple 8-bit style music. Then you've got your YM2612, also known as the OPN2, which is a six-channel FM sound chip. The six-channel could also be configured as PSG or a PCM sampler, so you can get rudimentary, very crackly sound samples um, in most games. So that's the sound chip that you hear when you turn on a Genesis and play Sonic the Hedgehog, Streets of Rage, etc., etc. That chip was also used in Sega's System 32 arcade cabinet and the FM Towns. Now, the unique chip here in the Sega CD unit itself is called the RF5C68, also known as the RF5C164 or the RF5C104. They're all pretty much identical to each other. Very, very small differences which don't affect the playback, mainly how the circuitry was developed inside those chips. It's an eight-channel sound chip made by Rico, and it can play PCM samples from up to 64 kilobytes of memory, either RAM or ROM. So, essentially, it's not that different from the SNES sound chip, eight channels of sample-based playback. In my opinion, though, the samples... They have a different quality to them. They're a little bit softer and a little bit more lo-fi sounding, but as we listen to some pieces of music in the show, I'm sure you can make your own decisions. The RF5C68 was also used in uh, Sega's System 18 arcade hardware, their System 32 hardware, the FM Towns, and the FM Towns 
Marty. So FM Towns and uh, the Genesis slash Sega CD really did use very, very compatible sound hardware. If you listen to an FM Towns game soundtrack, uh, it's going to be very difficult to distinguish it from a, a Genesis or a Sega CD tune. Personally, I have three different Sega CD units. I have the original Model 1, which pairs with my Genesis Model 1. That's the one that sits underneath the Genesis. It has a front-loading automatic CD-ROM tray. The Sega CD Model 2 is the one that sits on the side of the console. A little bit more cost-effective to produce, and it just has a, uh, a latch with a lifting door, and then you stick the CD on a spindle. That was the one that was made to pair with the Genesis Model 2. Uh, the third one I have is a JVC-XI, which is a Genesis and Sega CD all-in-one unit, and it also has karaoke capabilities. There's a microphone input, and it's got uh, standard yellow, white, and red outputs on the back, so you can hook it up easily to any TV. I've never used the karaoke feature, but I just like using the XI because it's convenient. You don't have to worry about sticking two pieces of hardware together and using multiple AC adapters. It just plugs in once and you're, you're good to go. Plus the audio and video quality off that thing is really good. Another variant was the CDX, which was a very scaled down Genesis Sega CD combo. It looked more like a, a Discman than anything else, but it had a cart slot on the top and then right in front of that was the CD-ROM drive door and then a couple of controller ports up front and you're good to go. There was the Wonder Mega in Japan too, which was a version of the Mega CD that was, I guess, most analogous to the XI, uh, also made by JVC. Slightly different casing around it, but overall, I think mostly the same hardware on the inside. Okay, now that we've told you all about the Sega CD, what kinds of music you might hear, and the features of all of the sound chips we're going to be listening to, Let's start off with some music. We're going to start with a twofer from a very expensive game. Uh, we're going to be listening to the Volcanic Zone. This is both the exploration and the battle themes that are very similar to each other. Uh, they kind of complement each other very well. This was released on the Sega CD in 1994, composed by Atsushi Shirakawa, Hirofumi Matsuoka, Masaru Nakajima, Mieko Ishikawa, Naoki Kaneda, and Takahiro Tsunashima. Be right back.
Alright, that was the exploration and battle themes from the Volcanic Zone from Popful Mail, released by Working Designs, developed by Falcom on the Sega CD and Mega CD starting in 1994. That was composed by Atsushi Shirakawa, Hirofumi Matsuoka, Masaru Nakajima, Mieko Ishikawa, Naoki Kaneda, and Takahiro Tsunashima. Personally, I hear tons of music similar to the Ease series from this soundtrack, and I don't think my ears are deceiving me because a large portion of these composers also worked on the Ease series, it being one of Falcom's flagship properties. Most of the composers that worked at Falcom ended up touching the Ease series at one point or another. Mieko Ishikawa as the lead composer on this game, and later on sound director of Falcom, had worked on three different Ease games before Popful Mail, so that influence is definitely going to be there. But what a kick-ass couple of songs, right? Very fast, very intense. This is how I feel the FM chip and the sample bass chip are best used together. And the Sharp X68000 and the PC98 also do a lot of this too, where most of the music is FM synth-based, rockin' guitars and keyboards, and then the percussion is all sample-based. So you get what sounds like a really good Genesis tune, but you've got an incredible drum kit going on in the background with very clean tones, uh, a very clear cymbal crash, which is great. When you try to simulate a cymbal crash, it's extremely noticeable <laughs> if you're not using a decent quality sample. So I really dig it. Um, that battle track, which is the second one that we played, has this really gritty upfront sawtooth, and it just makes the song sound super, super menacing. The game is great too. It's a side-scrolling action RPG. It presents itself as kind of a, an action platformer, but I think it's really closer to a game like Yee's Three Wanderers from Yee's, which is basically a side-scrolling RPG. A lot of folks have also likened it to Fizanadu on the NES. I haven't played that one personally, but I see over and over again, oh, this game plays a lot like Fizanadu, but it's a little more cartoony and story-based. So I'll just leave that one there. If you're a fan of that game, you might also like this one. It's also a working designs game, so that's controversial in and of itself. A lot of people really like working designs because of their flashy packaging, uh, because their writing has lots of character, because they brought games to the U.S. that normally would have never left Japan. Others are not so happy with working designs because what they did bring over from Japan, they kind of fundamentally changed, whether it be the difficulty, a significant amount of the graphics, or through localization, completely changed characters' personalities, plot points, um, lots of contemporary, for the time, jokes and pop culture references that kind of might go over your head nowadays, uh, especially for younger folk that weren't alive in the 80s and 90s. So it's interesting. The game, though, it, it takes really good advantage of the Sega CD. There's a huge, huge soundtrack. There are fully voiced cutscenes and animations throughout a ton of dialogue definitely would never have been able to fit on a standard cartridge and i think that's one of the reasons why most of this soundtrack 
is chip-based because they just needed so much of that CD's surface area to fit their game in there. All in all, a great game. Uh, you're going to spend a pretty penny if you want to look it up on eBay or find it at a retro game convention or something like that. Um, the cool thing about the Sega CD is that there is no copy protection on there. So if you do own yourself a Sega CD console, you can easily burn a game to a CDR and play it on the hardware like it was meant to be played. Um, there are also a ton of great Sega CD emulators out there. Uh, generally, any emulator that will run Genesis games runs a Sega CD game at this point, so you should have no problem finding a way to play it. And that's the case with, with most of these games. Some of these games aren't really even playable for English-speaking folk because there's just too much Japanese in it to really be able to understand. And that's the case with our next game coming up. We're going to listen to a track from Deathbringer, Himatera Mancho, which translates to Deathbringer, The Night of Darkness. This was released on the Mega CD exclusively in 1992. This is the temple theme composed by Hitoshi Sakimoto, Shinobu Ugawa, and Minoru Yuasa. like this one. This was Temple from Deathbringer, Kimoreta Moncho, released on the Mega CD in 1992, composed by Hitoshi Sakimoto, Shinobu Ogawa, and Minoru Yuasa. This one also had a PC Engine release 
in the same year. First off, if you're interested in looking up any gameplay on this, you're much better off uh, searching for the English translation, Deathbringer, The Night of Darkness. Uh, the Himareta Moncho subtitle doesn't really bring up anything on YouTube or on Google. It was kind of a stretch trying to even find, like, gameplay of this game to even describe to you folks to kind of place it alongside the music you're listening to i think it's just because it was not a game that ever came out over here and it's really not easy to play unless you know the language first off let's talk about the music this one exclusively used the Genesis hardware only, so the YM2612 and the PSG chip. But I think it uses it to great effect. I love the slow organs at the beginning. It sounds very holy, very reverent, very church-like. And then slowly builds, you get that percussion coming in, and then a couple of other layers come on, some counter melody, and by the end it's just this really really heartfelt, very yearning kind of a track. Extremely well written, and it's super long too. It loops, but that one loop is like two minutes and 15 seconds. So it definitely takes you on this kind of heroic journey in and of itself. There's not a whole lot of chiptune music on this soundtrack. Uh, about 11 tracks, most of them are only about 30 seconds long. There's a lot of kind of like snippets in there that will play just when they need music to be quickly accessed and a lot of the other tracks for areas that you're going to be spending longer amounts of time in will be cd audio tracks i always felt it was kind of jarring when developers chose to do that you'd get this cd quality real guitars and drums and it's like a live band playing and then the game changes scenes really quickly and suddenly you've got this retro chiptune playing. And obviously from my standpoint, it's not a downgrade. It's just such a change in tone that it almost makes the game feel entirely different. Because, I don't know, with Sega CD, you've got CD audio playing in the background. It just, to me, it feels different. Like, it, it feels like a CD game, even if it were just regular old Streets of Rage. You put a CD soundtrack behind it and suddenly it's got something else going on. <laughs> that might be just my personal opinion, though. Anyway, uh, so Deathbringer is an RPG. Kind of a traditional RPG, but not really a JRPG. It is mostly from a first-person perspective, so even though you're not necessarily always in dungeons, it's always from that dungeon crawler perspective where you are looking at a screen, you press up and left and right, you know, kind of similar to like the Fantasy Star stuff where you kind of like map yourself as you change direction and walk around in this one frame at a time first person mode. And this holds true whether you're in a town, whether you're in a forest, whether you're in an actual dungeon, you can see the enemies before you attack them or they attack you. So. If you're all low on health and you turn a corner and you can see, you know, a slime or a monster four clicks down the road, you can have that choice to turn around or heal yourself immediately before you engage in battle. So I thought that was pretty cool. I really like when RPGs do that, like respect you enough. 
Especially like, I mean, I don't want to go too far into this, but like towards the end of some of the Final Fantasy games, when you're extremely powerful, you know, level 70, level 80 characters, and you walk back to the beginning area of the game for whatever reason, and you're still getting jumped by level one and two characters, like you don't see them and all of a sudden the battle starts. Like that always felt very unrealistic to me. I like when you can actually see the dudes that you're going to start slicing and dicing and kind of make that snap decision whether you want to engage in that battle or not. The battles themselves are kind of more like Ultima, though. It's like it's like a top-down view, so it changes to like a traditional RPG-style view when you battle, and the enemies and the characters kind of position themselves tactically on the screen, but you can't really move where they are. You can only choose to use your items, use your magic, attack, etc. Um, it's also got a day-night cycle, so enemies become more powerful at night, Certain events only happen during the day and night. It's it's pretty advanced in that respect for a 1992 RPG. And then you can also get up to three party members who join you, so you can be a, a fearsome foursome walking around in this game. All in all, like I said, not necessarily a game you can check out. However, you can listen to the entire soundtrack. And, uh, you know, Hitoshi Sakimoto's amazing when it comes to FM. So this is just a small sample of what he can do. I don't really know of any other Hitoshi Sakimoto composed RPGs at this point. Um, there might have been some that never left Japan, but it's kind of uh, interesting and unique to see his take on the RPG style of music. All right, we got a couple of sports games coming up, both in the same series, but really, really good soundtracks, surprisingly. Uh, we're going to listen to BGM-1A from Pro Yaku Super League CD, released on the Mega CD in 1992, composed by Sakaino Amayan. Be right back. so many hidden gems on the Mega CD when you're not talking about Red Book Audio. That was BGM-1A from Pro Yaku Super League CD, released on the Mega CD in 1992, composed by Sakaino Amayan. There's not much information on this composer. I Google their name. I search on some databases for their name. This is literally the only game that comes up. 
it could be an alias. This sounds really, really competent for someone who's never done video game music and never got hired to do video game music since. So who knows? Great playful tune, though. Really, really high energy. It's got kind of a baseball feel to it. One of my favorite baseball chiptune soundtracks is from Extra Innings on the SNES, and it, it has a very similar quality to that. Not the same composer, but if you enjoy this kind of a tune, go check out Extra Innings, and uh, I think you'll find some stuff that you enjoy. Super League CD is the third title in this franchise. The first game was actually released on the Genesis called Super League in Japan, but was known as Tommy Lasorda's Baseball on the Genesis here in the U.S. I think that was a launch title, if I'm not mistaken. So this is actually the uh, triple sequel to Tommy Lasorda's Baseball, believe it or not. There was also Pro Yaku Super League 91, released obviously in 1991, only in Japan that was a Mega Drive non-CD title. It's a pretty standard baseball game. Uh, it's from the catcher's view. It's got a Japanese professional baseball player's license, so you get some real likenesses and names of all the players, all the Central and Pacific League team rosters, and some all-star teams. Um, and you've got the standard gamut of pennant race, exhibition modes, there's six different stadiums, and you can play during the day or the night. I mean, there's really not too much else to talk about with this one. It's a, it's a fairly bog-standard baseball game. But that's not to say it's it's bad. It's It's a perfectly fine baseball game. Watching it and playing a little bit of it on an emulator, it played well. It was fun, but in a sea of 8 and 16-bit baseball games, it it didn't break any new ground at all, except for the amazingly cool music, which I really enjoyed. That, that was the main reason. I just wanted you guys to, to hear this tune, because you might not otherwise. On the same note... We're going to listen to the follow-up to this game called Igawa Suguru no Super League CD. Uh, again, this track is called BGM 1A. This particular track we just played is your standard gameplay music. It plays while teams are... Uh, I think it plays at the top of the inning. There's a similar yet a little more intense sounding tune that plays at the bottom of the inning, and they kind of rotate back and forth depending on whether the home team or the away team is at bat. Same deal for this game. This is BGM1A. Igawa Suguru no Super League CD was released the following year on the Mega CD in 1993, basically kind of an updated roster. The composer for this one is unknown. There's no credits. Uh, it could possibly be by Sakaino Amayan, uh, but I can't say for sure. So we're going to go uncredited with this one, let's give BGM1 a spin, shall we?
BGM1A from Igawa Suguru no Super League CD released on the Mega CD in 1993, composed by an unknown artist. I don't know, it feels like Sakaino Abayan to me. It's got that same playful energy, very similar tones. This one's got more of a 50s American-style rock sound. A very bluesy kind of a bass line. And that's not surprising. There was so much of that music in VGM out of Japan in the 80s and 90s. So it's not anything that nobody's ever heard before. I just really like the production. I think the instrumentation is great. I think it gives the game a whole ton of energy. And for a series of games that aren't super duper flashy, the music really helps you with the gameplay. So Igawa Suguru no Super League CD is a game largely unchanged from Proyaku Super League CD. The big difference is that baseball commentator Suguru Igawa, who was originally a star pitcher from the Yomiuri Giants from 1979 until 1987, uh, became a very popular commentator, and they digitized his voice to announce all of the games. It's got the same Nippon Players League license, um, includes all 12 Pacific and Central League teams with updated 1993 rosters and the all-star teams for each league. Other than that, there's not too much different. There's a uh, home run contest mode and a team database that you can look through in this one. Those are the only real feature standouts from the uh, previous game in the series, aside from the announcer. So, cool soundtracks to listen to. From an American standpoint, in the year 2023, I think that's probably the only useful part of these games <laughs> at this point. But fun if you're a retro games baseball fan and want to check out a couple new games to play. You don't need to know a ton of Japanese, you know, all the menus are in Japanese, but you can kind of muddle your way through to at least get through to like an exhibition game where you can check out the gameplay a little bit. Next, we're going to move on to a game based on a manga. This one is from Urusei Yatsura, My Dear Friends. This song is called Park, and it was released on the Mega CD in 1994, composed by Kenichi Okuma, Noroyuki Iwadare, Masaki Tanimoto, Reiko Okobayashi, and Kenichi Kunishima. Of course, that Noroyuki Iwadare sitting in the middle of that composer team should let you know we're in for something good. Let's hit it.
a very RPG-style tune called Park from Urusei Yatsura, Dear My Friends, released on the Mega CD in 1994. Uh, a little more detail that I found on these composers while we were listening to the track. All of the music was composed by Kenichi Okuma, and he did some of the arrangements. The other arrangers involved were Noriyuki Iwadare, Masaki Tainimoto, and Reiko Okobayashi. Kenichi Okuma, a pretty prolific composer himself, arranged a lot of the music for Noriyuki Iwadare's Lunar Eternal Blue, uh, worked with him on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, Sojo Senshi Sailor Moon Super S, uh, the Langrisser series along with Iwadare, so they worked very closely together. Later on, arranged lots of music for Super Smash Bros. Brawl, along with Iwadare and a ton of other game music composers. So, quite the pedigree there. This is a fun, laid-back tune. It uses all three sound chips. The FM, probably for the bass, I'd say. Um, sounds like the lead instrument and maybe some of that kind of uh, castanet percussion were probably coming off of the sample channel and then maybe a, I don't know, noise channel or some of the stuff in the background from the old PSG, if it was even used in this song. But a fun loop. This is just a small sample of what is a 39-track soundtrack, and it's a visual novel-style game, so there's not a whole lot of gameplay involved. So a lot of this will be just looping music while characters talk to each other in cutscenes. They all have a very cutscene feel to them. I just liked Park because it felt a little bit like Lunar to me. It had kind of an RPG town, and the town themes in RPGs are kind of the ones that always stick out to me the most, aside from, you know, the battle tracks, which you hear over and over again. This series is one that I was not too familiar with, but I was familiar with the character Lum from this series. Old, old school anime and manga. She's like an alien girl with green hair and like a leopard print bikini. If you saw a picture of her, you'd probably know who I was talking about if you're not familiar with the series. Uh, she's kind of plastered all over the place. So that kind of at least gave me an idea of what we were <laughs> talking about here. The plot is really kind of ridiculous. Follows the plot of this high school guy named Ataru, and he's got a girlfriend, but he's always trying to get new girlfriends. <laughs> but uh, aliens inexplicably that day come to Earth, and they choose Ataru to participate in their planetary national sport, which ends up just being a game of tag. And so uh, he wins this game of tag and has to go on these adventures with these aliens. It's pretty insane. Um, I watched a lot of footage on YouTube of kind of like a playthrough, but of course it's all in Japanese, so I really had no idea what was going on. The soundtrack is is really good and really fun, though. It's um, what I would call extremely good Genesis music, helped out a little bit by the old sample chip in there, that Rico sound chip. Worth watching on YouTube for a little bit. You know, these are games which I doubt will ever get an English translation at any point, just because they're so obscure. So... At some point when emulators are powerful enough and AI is powerful enough to do on-the-fly screen-based machine translation, 
maybe we'll be able to play some of these games uh, without having to sit in years and years of uh, Japanese language classes. That would be fun. Anyhow, let's move on to our next game. This is a series which I feel a lot of you folks will be familiar with. This is the shop theme from the Mega CD version of the original Shin Megami Tensei, composed by Tsukasa Masuko, Keisuke Nishino, and Masamitsu Shindo. That was the shop theme from Shin Megami Tensei, the Mega CD port released in 1994, composed by Tsukasa Masako, and either arranged or some additional music composed by Keisuke Nishino and Masumitsu Shindo. So Shin Megami Tensei was the third game in the Megami Tensei series, and Shin Megami Tensei was originally released on the Super Famicom. And so this was a port that came later on. Tsukasa Masuko was the sole composer on the Super Famicom version. So my guess is if he didn't have any direct composition or performance for the Mega CD version of the soundtrack, that uh, Nishino and Shindo did all the arrangements and potentially some extra music if there was some extra cutscenes, CD, ROM style stuff in there. Not too familiar with the series, um, I just felt this was particularly pertinent to put in the show because it's such a popular series and I didn't even realize it had a mega CD port until now. And damn, this shop tune is a jam. Really, really slick, got kind of a noir feel to it. Super cool bassline using that FM plus the sample channel for the percussion again. So you get that really, really punchy drum kit. It's just got all the stuff you need for a super cool soundtrack. And, you know, not being into the Megami Tensei series that much, I do really like the music and I really like Tsukasa Masuko's compositions. I think they've got some real, real good groove to them. And they're much more slick and a little bit more dark than some of the other Japanese RPG soundtracks 
out there more along the lines of like what i would find in mother 3 or earthbound than your typical final fantasies or uh, breath of fire etc so great tune these rpgs take place more or less in present day or at least contemporary time for the time of release of the game around the tokyo and surrounding japanese areas so you do get a lot of contemporary influenced music in there um i don't know if i ran into a shop and they were playing this tune i'd probably hang out for a bit and buy some uh, potions and food and whatever else would help me regain my strength as i ran down the alleyways trying to beat monsters up something like that anyhow let's move on to our next track moving into some western based development companies for a couple of tracks uh this is level one from lodestar the legend of tully bodine this was released on the sega cd in 1994 and composed by dean menta
Level 1 from Lodestar, The Legend of Tully Bodine, released on the Sega CD in 1994, composed by Dean Menta, definitely channeling some Jesper Kid there, with a quite long, fairly experimental, yet danceable, industrial-style FM tune. Definitely dig this one. Uh, uses entirely the YM2612 and the PSG chip. It's very good. I might be the only one who thinks that, but uh, I really, really like this one. And this music is specifically chiptune because this is a FMV game. Kind of similar to Star Wars Rebel Assault or Sewer Shark in that you are flying in an FMV level and you need to dodge and avoid and shoot various stuff all over the screen. It was developed by Rocket Science Games, also kind of infamous for creating the Cadillacs and Dinosaurs Sega CD game, double infamous for including everyone's favorite billionaire Elon Musk as one of the programmers on its roster. So he worked on this one and the Cadillacs and Dinosaurs games both of which were incredible flops. It's estimated that Lodestar sold around 20,000 copies or less total and uh, were not reviewed very well. This one also was released for MS-DOS as well. Essentially, your uh, plot is you are Tully Bodine and you've agreed to convoy contraband camels across space for big cash, but you have to steer clear of the police in the process. So you're essentially an anti-hero breaking the law, and you've got to get these camels from one spot to another. This is actually a game that is great to watch. Not very good in gameplay, frustrating to play, you'll die a lot. So find a decent capture on YouTube and just give it a good watch, like a movie. It's about 90 minutes long, and it's entertaining. The set pieces are really cool. The acting isn't bad. The writing is actually kind of decent. So check it out. Even if you just kind of fast forward through the gameplay sequences and watch the cutscenes in between, I think you'll be pretty entertained. The DOS version definitely has better fidelity as far as the full motion video goes, but the gameplay music is not as good because it's just MIDI instead of the decent quality FM here. So your mileage may vary, whichever one you want to check out. There was a 3DO version announced and uh, worked on for a little bit, but it never ended up being released. Mostly, I think, because the game just didn't sell very well and Rocket Science ended up going under anyway because they just couldn't seem to produce any games that anybody wanted to play. Dean Menta, as a composer, though, has quite a story. He originally started in the band Duh in 1995, but then immediately went on to serve as the guitarist for Faith No More from 95 to 96. And uh, you could see him in three of Faith No More's videos for Digging the Grave, Ricochet, and Evidence. Since he left Faith No More, he's been performing and recording with the pop group Sparks, and he's been on several of their albums as well. Now he works primarily in television and film as a music editor, composer, and sound designer. Uh, aside from 
Lodestar, The Legend of Tully Bodine. He worked on Jack X Combat Racing, which was in collaboration with Billy Howardell of the band A Perfect Circle. So it seems like when he's doing video game music, dark experimental stuff is his jam. Can't say I'm disappointed in that. Moving on, another American-developed game. <laughs> We're going to listen to uh, one of the Sega CD launch titles. This is Upstairs Day One from the game Willie Beamish, released on the Sega CD in 1993. This was composed by Christopher Stevens and Jan Paul Moorhead. This one exclusively uses the sample-based RF5C164 chip, so it's not going to sound very FM. You'll get a good uh, sense of what that chip is capable of on its own. That is a fun little tune that was Upstairs Day One from The Adventures of Willie Beamish, released on the Sega CD in 1993, composed by Christopher Stevens and Jan Paul Moorhead. Both of these composers were uh, Dynamics employees, the developers of the game, and have hundreds of musical credits to their names. Most recently, Christopher Stevens has been working on the uh, the MLB games and the NFL games, uh, Simpsons Hit and Run, Betrayal at Crondor, Heart of China, Siphon Filter 3, lots of really cool stuff. Jan Paul Moorhead left the industry around 1999 with 3D Ultra Pinball, but worked on a ton of DOS games like The Incredible Machine, Bouncers on the Sega CD, Aces of the Deep, and most of the ports of uh, Willie Beamish to different systems. Uh, this game came out on DOS, Mac, Sega CD, and Windows. The Sega CD inclusion was a strange choice. I think because this was more of a launch title, this was one of the original cardboard box games before the plastic case games started coming out. I think Sega wanted to try their hand at bringing over some of the more computer-style games to take advantage of the CD-ROM medium, and it worked to varying effect. Uh, this game was plagued with so much loading. Every single thing you did, every action you took, it had to load the game in. It was just not managing RAM or compression very well, and it made the game such a pain in the butt 
to play. It's a fun game. It's a fun, like, point-and-click adventure kind of a game where Willie's kind of a mischievous kid. It's almost, like, feels like The Simpsons a little bit. Great game to play. Do not play it on the Sega CD, at least not on real hardware. If you play it on an emulator with sped-up loading times, it's a little more tolerable. But, uh, wow. I remember renting this one when I first got the Sega CD, and I was like, nope. <laughs> I cannot do this. <laughs> so it was kind of a shame. The music is fun, though. And like I said, this is the first piece of music that we've played that exclusively uses that sample-based Rico chip. I think it's good as a companion chip to the other two that are in the Genesis. On its own, the sample quality just doesn't equal what the Super Nintendo can do. And the Super Nintendo sound chip wasn't super, super powerful, but it could create some pretty clean samples. This one has like little clicks at the beginning of each of the samples. The sample quality, like I said, was always a little more lo-fi and felt a little warmer and fuzzier than the crystal clear stuff you would get off of the SPC chip on the uh, SNES. So I can't say I'm in a super love with it or anything like that. Um, what is great about the chip, though, is that it can also be used in conjunction with a very powerful YM2612 FM chip, so that's where it really shines, I think, in accentuating already existing very good FM music. Then you've got your drum samples, then you've got some actual real, like, guitar samples or piano going on with all of your FM sweeps and your synth sounds that only a really good FM chip could generate. So, there you go. There's a, there's a pretty good example of what you can do with this chip on its own. Moving on, getting back into some Japanese games. Uh, this one's a very unique one. This is Nagayoshi Miyoshi Unified the County. That's the name of the song from Capcom no Quiz Tonosama no Yabu. This was released in 1992, composed by a pseudonym Gips Papa, Hikoshi Hashimoto, and Manami Matsumai. It's a short tune, but I really like this one. That was Nagayoshi Miyoshi Unified the County from Capcom no Quiz Tonosama no Yabu. Released on the Mega CD in 1992, composed by Gips Papa, 
Hikoshi Hashimoto, and Manami Matsumai. Now, it looks like Manami Matsumai and Gibbs Papa composed the original arcade music, and Hikoshi Hashimoto arranged the music for the console, as well as composed new music, including this particular piece. So we can credit this one specifically to Hikoshi Hashimoto. This game also got a release on the TurboGrafx CD and the PC-98. Uh, this was a port from the original 1991 arcade game. This one, to me, feels a lot like a PC-98 piece. Really, really rich FM sounds. Very Eastern sounding. Of course, given the whole premise of this game, uh, with warlords battling in the Sengoku period, it makes sense that this would sound very Asian. But that particular tone is just a very PC-98 tone. It's what a lot of those composers used in a lot of the RPGs and visual novels that came out on the PC-98. So as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, that really sounds like one of those NEC computers, and uh, later found out that there was a PC-98 port. So I would imagine uh, if I listened to the PC-98 soundtrack for this game, this tune would probably sound nearly identical. As far as the game goes, it's a trivia game with strategy elements, like I said, set during the Sengoku time period of Japanese history. Single and two-player game modes are available. Players select warlords to control and rise to dominance by defeating other warlords in quiz encounters. Each attempt at conquering a province leads to a quiz posed by the defending warlord. The themes of the quiz can be literally anything it doesn't have to do with the Sengoku time period. There are questions ranging from general knowledge to Japanese anime and video games. It sounds really fun. The graphics are actually really good. All the art kind of reminds me of stuff that I would see in like Dynasty Warriors. It's not the same time period. These are different heroes, but very similar kind of style. Lots of big characters on horses surrounded by a ton of very similar looking grunts with spears and stuff like that, very nondescript little guys and huge superhero-style big guys. This is another one of those games that uh, translation would probably be very, very hard to do, uh, especially considering a lot of this quiz material would probably be kind of general knowledge stuff that only Japanese people might know, local celebrities, very contemporary news, stuff like that. So, not sure how good a translation would even be, should one ever be made. Funny enough, on the TurboGrafx CD version, Manami Matsumai was the only one credited. So, not 100% sure if, uh, you know, she did all the work arranging for that particular console, or if they're just going by the arcade version credits. Interesting. Either way, uh, this was published by both Capcom and Hudson, for the arcade and the TurboGrafx CD version, Sims Company Limited released the version on the Sega CD, which uh, was also the same publishing house that released Shin Megami Tensei. So Sims seemed to have a pretty good deal with Sega releasing Sega CD games. And the PC-98 version was released by Systemsoft, again, a very prolific PC-98 development house. So they just kind of shipped this game out to studios that had a lot of experience with those individual consoles, and so they each got very good builds of games developed specifically for those units. And uh, that's what made Capcom great back in the day. They knew what to do with their source material to make sure that good ports were released everywhere. Okay, a few more tracks left in the show. Oh, 
This is a great game that I absolutely wish had been released in the States. We're going to listen to Triple Z Arms from Shadowrun CD, released on the Mega CD in the late year of 1996, composed by Inosuke Nagayo and Tsuyoshi Matsushima. Triple Z Arms from Shadowrun CD, released on the Mega CD in 1996, composed by Inosuke Nagayo and Tsuyoshi Matsushima. Man, this game makes me angry because I was really looking forward to it when I had heard that it was getting released in Japan and never made it out over here, probably because it was such a late game on the roster and Sega had pretty much given up on the uh, Sega CD by 1996. This is also unique in that a digital rip of this game does not exist anywhere. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Justin Pfeiffer on YouTube for uploading individual tracks from this game as he plays through the game, or at least as he played through the game. He uploaded a bunch of tracks, so a handful of tracks around nine years ago on YouTube and then stopped and then got back into the game seven years later. So at that point, uploaded a whole bunch more. So at this point, not even the full soundtrack is available on YouTube or anywhere for that matter. So literally the only place you can get these tunes is from these YouTube videos. I should probably download the audio from all of them and keep them just for posterity in case somebody decides to copyright strike them because that would be awful because they'd be gone for good super fun track again i think it sounds a little bit like the shop track from shin megami tensei uh kind of a staccato beat very very groovy bass line some nice keys over it again that really film noir kind of sound i don't know what triple z arms is it could honestly be a shop it could be a uh, an armament shop. You just go in and buy your weapons and stuff. So this would be the same kind of tune as the Shin Megami Tensei tune as well. And um, yeah, I, this is a—it's a straight-up RPG with a lot of dialogue, 
a lot of cutscenes, very, very good art. Like this was a top-notch production. And I think just because the game is so big and there's so much dialogue, Sega felt that it wouldn't be worth it to attempt a localization to bring it out over here. So that's unfortunate. There have been at least one or two attempts to do a fan translation, and uh, neither of them got off the ground fully enough for them to ever uh, release any preliminary versions. So, And it's not one of those kind of games you can just brute force by picking random things out of a menu and hoping you get somewhere, because it's fairly difficult, and you will die <laughs> pretty easily. So, another one of those games that we can hope for at some point. It would have been really cool on the, uh, the latest... Mega Drive Mini or Genesis Mini that came out. They, they were including some Japanese exclusive Sega CD games on that system if uh, they had decided to go ahead and do Shadowrun CD. I think that thing would have sold like hotcakes if they had decided to release this one on there. But until then, it remains one of the most demanded game translations out there. You guys like uh, Toe Jam and Earl? Well, Toe Jam & Earl never got a Sega CD game, but John Baker did compose some music for Slam City with Scottie Pippen, and this track, Juice, sounds very much like a Toe Jam & Earl track. A lost Toe Jam & Earl track, if you will. So let's listen to Juice from Slam City with Scottie Pippen. This was a Sega CD full motion video release in 1994. A little bit noisier and more experimental than some of the Toe Jam and Earl stuff out there. That was Juice from Slam City with Scottie Pippen, composed by John Baker in 1994 for the Sega CD. Juice being the name of one of the opponents you can face in the game alongside Fingers, Mad Dog, Smash, and Scottie Pippen himself. I dig this tune. It feels raw and a little garagey, but I think it's got some charm 
to it. It definitely has that bass tone that John Baker used for the Toe Jam and Earl games. It's got that, that TJ and E funk going on for it. This was uh, another game that kind of required the use of FM music because it was showing full motion video over it at the same time. So we needed to load that chip tune in, let that play off the sound chip while I was able to access simultaneously lots of different full motion video sequences for the gameplay. Gameplay was interesting. It's a uh, first person playing against an opponent and it's basically quick time events. So, you know, they'll fake one way and like move the other way and you've got to just push the direction that they're going in order to to block them or prevent them from getting a shot off or, you know, stuff like that. I struggle to understand why so much effort was put in to games that ended up having so little in terms of interactivity and fun <laughs> and they just kept making them. Great new technology, very impressive to see full motion video on the screen, but the way they implemented this stuff was just bleh. This was one of the digital pictures games, so this would also include like Corpse Killer and that warrior fighting game, whatever they called it. I don't even know anymore. Um, so John Breaker was brought in to do the music because he had that kind of urban funky style, and I'm sure that his work on Toe Jam and Earl was... Uh, one of the reasons that they reached out to him for this particular game. And it worked pretty well. This is the most uh, funky song on the soundtrack. The other ones are even a little more experimental and a little bit more raw. Patrons, I did mention last Embassy exclusive that I'm going to start doing some mini episodes every month for patrons only. And uh, I'm considering doing some cut music from this episode. Maybe more of a combination of uh, bad VGM mixed with Sega CD chiptune. So if you found that episode fun and want to hear me torture myself for a little bit, check out the uh, VG Embassy Patreon feed. Anybody who is a subscriber to the VG Embassy Patreon from uh, $1 up will be able to listen to these new shorty podcasts that I'll be putting out every month. That being said, let's get into a, uh, a really complex piece of music. I really like this one. This is the opening from Cosmic Fantasy Stories, released on the Mega CD in 1992. Giant amount of composers on this one. Hisayo Inoue, Michiko Naruke, Tenpei Sato, Jun Hasebe, Shingo Murakami, and Masayuso Yamamoto. Shall return in a few.
huge anime opening vibes. I was opening from Cosmic Fantasy Stories, released on the Mega CD in 1992, composed by Hisayo Inoue, Mashiko Naruke, Tenpei Sato, Jun Hasebe, Shigo Murakami, and Masayosu Yamamoto. Huge amount of composers because this is essentially a collection of two RPGs on one disc, the Cosmic Fantasy and Cosmic Fantasy 2 games, to be exact. These were games developed and published by Telenet and were... Well, I'll just read the description on Wikipedia. The series has themes of science fiction, adventure, raunchy comedy, and light erotica. It is notable as among the earlier RPGs to feature extended anime-style cutscenes and voice acting. Cosmic Fantasy II was the only game in the series to be released in English, localized, and published by Infamous Working Designs. So, I don't really know much about this series at all. The Cosmic Fantasy II game was only released on the TurboGrafx CD. I do have a TurboGrafx CD, but I never really considered actually playing any RPGs on it. Um, mainly, I just use it for like the shoot 'em ups and some of the action games. It might be interesting to check it out. It was the first third-party CD-ROM console game ever released, which I thought was pretty cool. So, might be a little rough around the edges. I love this tune, though. It's got so many different parts. According to the data on the track, it does use the uh, the sample chip, the PSG sound chip, and the FM chip. And I hear a lot of the sample chip in here. Uh, I'm trying to pick out which instruments might be FM and PSG, because it really sounds a whole lot like the sample channels being used for the brunt of the work on this one. But I'm sure listening to it, you can just imagine the scene shifting to lots of different anime characters posing and shooting and running and stuff that you do in a anime opening. I just really liked it because I thought it really kind of pushed these chips to their limits and really showed off what you can do well when you lean hard on that sample chip in the proper way. There were four total games in the Cosmic Fantasy series fourth game was technically broken up into two different parts, two different releases, so if you want to call it five games, you're, you're not that far off, and you can get the Cosmic Fantasy Collection, which is a collection of all of the games ever released. That was released in 2022 on the Switch. Uh, sadly, all still in Japanese. So the only way you can play a Cosmic Fantasy game non-fan translated is Cosmic Fantasy 2 on the TurboGrafx CD. Certainly not widely available anywhere. Alright, time for our last track of the night. One of my most nostalgic Sega CD games. This is the battle theme from Dark Wizard, released on the Sega CD in 1994, composed by Jun Senue, Keisuke Tsukahara, Masaru Setsumaru, Sachio Ogawa, Izuho Numada, Yoshimi Hishida, and Shoko Ogawa. This is another one that exclusively uses the uh, sample sound chip. Thank <laughs> you. 
quite the bombastic tune. That was Battle from Dark Wizard, released on the Sega CD in 1994, composed by Jun Senue, Keisuke Sukahara, Masaru Setsumaru, Sachio Ogawa, Izuho Nomara, Yoshimi Hishida, and Shoku Ogawa. Really, really bombastic stuff. This is probably one of the best uses of the sample chip that I've seen so far in a game, and mostly what you're going to hear when you play this game is the Red Book CD audio. Really, really good stuff, all performed by a live symphony orchestra, and I'm not a classical music fan by any stretch of the imagination. I love this soundtrack. I remember I rented this game right after I got my Sega CD uh, when I was a young teen and immediately, you know, put this CD in my CD player and recorded all of the tracks to tape and uh, I would play it all over the place and uh, realized later on that they had released a retail CD soundtrack with extended versions of all of the Redbook audio songs that appear in the game and it was so, so hard to find it. I could not find this retail CD anywhere. I couldn't find an MP3 download of it. Um, so, coincidentally, the individual I just talked about with the Shadowrun CD soundtrack, Justin Pfeiffer, uh, I used to be friends with him on Facebook ages ago. We were in a Facebook group together, and we had gotten talking about soundtracks we didn't have, stuff that was hard to find, that I mentioned that I'd been on the lookout for the Dark Wizard retail soundtrack and he had mentioned oh yeah i have that cd he was like do you want me to like rip you like a wave version of it and i was like pulling my hair out <laughs> so thankful so he was able to give me that and i was super grateful and i listen to it all the time now so i was one of those holy grails that i just thought i would never be able to get my hands on and like after 10 years i just casually mention it to a person and he's like oh yeah i own that serendipity i guess anywho the track that we just listened to obviously plays during the battles. Those CD audio tracks that I was talking about mainly plays during the tactical and menu screens. This is a tactical RPG. You are picking a character, but that character is the leader of a area, and they have their own army, so you're basically sending your fighters out, kind of like Advance Wars, style, I guess, is the best way to uh, explain it. You're just um, strategically picking which enemies you want to move around this hexagonal map, and you'll watch the two factions fight each other, and whoever wins, wins, and then they take that square and they can move on further. But it's got really good art, fantastic music. Even the chiptune music here tries to really emulate that symphonic sound, and I think they do a decent job. It's obviously very easy to tell that it's synthesized, but overall, I feel it's a pretty good approximation of what they would have wanted to do on uh, CD audio, but couldn't. Man, okay, so this is... It's not a comprehensive list of every Sega CD game or Mega CD game that uses chiptune, but it's it's a good 90% of them. There are a few out there that I've either already played on podcasts like uh, Silphy, Sonic the Hedgehog CD, Mega Race, Dune, I think we played a track from, Stefan Peek's soundtrack, so... There are a couple out here and there that you may hear in a upcoming Patreon release. You might also hear some alternate 
pieces of music from games that I played during this show. Uh, maybe even a comparison of all the Sega and Mega CD BIOS tunes, which uh, I thought might be pretty cool as well. So that will either be released uh, the same day as this podcast comes out or very shortly afterwards. Speaking of all you lovely patrons, I'd like to thank all of you by name as I do every single episode, starting at our tourist level, Cameron Childs and the Phantomire. At our VGMissary tier, Periodical, Chris Murray, Chris Myers, Ganon11, Keyglyph, Kyle Kroll, The Dyad, The Last Recon, and Professor Tom. Our audio attaché members, Cameron Worma, Carlos, Scott McElhone, and our special agent, Ryan Steele. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. Thank you for listening to all of these wonderful Mega and Sega CD tunes. Let me know what you thought. Let me know if there are other obscure systems out there you'd like to uh, hear some curated music and some researched information on uh i know last episode uh, i talked to joe on embassy exclusive about doing a sharp x68000 game night where he would come over and play some games with me i think utopia nemo misinterpreted that as doing an x68000 episode and he was super enthusiastic about it so if other folks want to see that or uh, PC-98, FM Towns, Sharp X1. I don't know. I can do literally anything. I love researching this stuff. So give me some suggestions for uh, consoles with music you might not be familiar with that you might want to hear in future episodes of the VG Embassy. But until then, keep an eye out in another two weeks for another great episode of Embassy Exclusive. And uh, I think our October episode we'll see the return of Logan and we'll be playing some uh, uh, Halloween alternate universe kind of tunes. It's going to be a very interesting show. Believe me, we've already got a couple of songs laid out and it's going to be stuff you're probably not familiar with. So I'm very excited for it until then. We'll see you next time. Stay cool and keep listening to awesome VGM night, everyone.